A little bouncer slowly toward Bryant. He will glove it and throw to Rizzo. It's in time. And the Chicago Cubs win the World Series. I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast. Not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but just a bunch of guys who love the local nine and enjoy talking baseball and, of course, the 2016 World Series champion Cubs. Hello, I'm Ken. Uh, you may know me as Rice Cube on Twitter. It's been an entire season since we last hung out with Harry Pavlidis of Baseball Prospectus to talk a little bit about this season. And now that the season's over, I have a few friends from the Obstructive View blog. You guys can feel free to introduce yourselves. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Hey, this is Jeff, a.k.a. Urselia, said Ovi. And this is Adam, a.k.a. and counting at Ovi, and my four-year-old daughter, she might chime in too. Hey, Adam and this, and this is Skip, also known as BES on Obstructive View. Right. And Obstructive View obviously used to be very, very popular and busy. Well, I don't know about popular, but it was definitely busy because we had a lot of fun. As we've grown old and busy and uh, responsible, like both our blogs have taken a bit of a back burner, but I thought it might be a good opportunity to basically join forces like your original Devastator and try to get both of us going again at, at a time when it might actually get exciting to be a Cubs fan again after such a horrible last couple of seasons. So I figure we just talk a little bit about the 2022 Cubs and a little bit about like 2021 as well, uh, how we might clean up the roster to compete for 2023. If you actually have been paying attention, maybe we could talk a little bit about your favorite prospects. Some free agency, including our perhaps outgoing all-star Wilson Contreras. Some trades, you know, everybody's been talking about maybe trading for, say, Shohei Otani. Uh-huh. Your picks for this year's playoffs, which the Cubs unfortunately are not participating in. And uh, maybe a little bit about the minor leaguers finally getting uh, union representation and anything else you guys can think of. So what do you guys think of that as a plan? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. Okay. Sounds good to me. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. Awesome. I, I see Adam's daughter really likes us as well. As the spring gave away to summer, past the ivy colored dreams, Toward the days that kept us yearning for tomorrow. So before we get into it, I, I just like to uh, remind everybody that these guys are from Obstructive View, and they can be found at Obstructive View. Is it .net or .com? I think we're still .net. <laughs> yeah, it used to be a really good sounding board for a lot of things. Adam uh, and Counting used to have a blog of his own before you and Tim and everybody else just kind of joined up. And I don't think David is doing much blogging anymore. Like, uh, I, I feel like we can really get things started. So we can now talk about the Cubs at press time. This is Wednesday, October 5th, uh, right after the Cubs finished their 
game slate. They are 74 and 88 and obviously not going to the playoffs. So, yeah, like, let's do a free-for-all. What do you guys think was any positives that we can get out of the season? We didn't lose 90 games. <laughs> yeah, like, on the, on the one hand, like, th- this is about where I thought this team would finish, but somehow it feels like they underachieved anyway, at least from <laughs> for, from my tracking of the team over the, over the course of the season. I mean, you'll notice that the last post that we put up was in, a, like, you know, mid-April, so <laughs> my attention level has really dropped since then. <laughs> It's pretty good. <laughs> I'm glad we got one up during this. Yeah, I pretty much just posted it because I, I usually go to a game either in uh, Colorado or Arizona since they're my uh, closest, in quote stadiums. So they happen to be in Colorado in April, so I went. And uh, that was about it. <laughs> What's that? Hey, Adam and Adam's daughter. I think you guys live in Indiana, right? So you're actually the closest geographically to the Cubs. Were you able to make it in a game this year? Not this year, but I did make it to one in 2014. (laughs) I have seen none of the renovations. (laughs) It's pretty uh, embarrassing, but I watch a lot on TV. Yeah, I've always been more of a more of a radio guy, and even then, it's been a lot less. Part, partly it's because evading my work firewall is really annoying. I always have to figure out whatever new weirdness MLB puts in every year, and it takes a couple of weeks. So I made a couple of games um, in, I guess it was late May, early June, whenever the Cubs were playing the Cardinals at at home, and um, those were good games. And uh, you know, and they were sort of. They were sort of still a pretty good team at that point, it, it, you know, um, although I think by that, I think at that point we still knew that they weren't going to go too far, but, you know, Morrell was on his, was on a hot streak and, and, um, you know, they were, they were playing the Cardinals pretty tough. I I just thought I'd kick in, you know, um, I, I watch a lot on TV and, and, and I listen to a lot of the games and, I think this uh this team had a lot of young guys that um you know they they may not be superstars but they were surprisingly competent and I think that you know is is better than what we've had the last Yeah that few that, years. that kind of took me by surprise too like it was <laughs> early in the season like I was real excited for uh, uh Seiya Suzuki and you know those first few weeks of him were real fun and then it was all people talking up like Patrick Wisdom and Frank uh, Swindell, who I just had no interest in whatsoever. But 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 yeah, like the, the FARP system, like I, I had pretty much written them off like years ago. Like you know, e- even to the point when I'd see people complain about uh, you know, us trading guys like Dylan Cease to the White Sox. Like to to me, I'm like, if Dylan Cease had stayed with the Cubs, he wouldn't be the pitcher he was now. So I didn't really view it as that big of a loss <laughs> at the time. Yeah, but uh, but not, now now they're actually producing guys, so. Absolutely. And I think uh, to to your point, what was very annoying over the past few years is like, obviously, the core, as it were, had talent. But somehow this coaching staff, before they did the massive overhaul a couple of seasons ago, uh, they let them atrophy. So you're looking at Rizzo's obviously doing at least sort of well as a Yankee. Javi's struggling in the first year as at Detroit. Uh, Kyle Schwarber's 
you know, he smacked a lot of home runs. He's the NL home run leader, but he hasn't been doing as much well in the wins above a replacement category. And then you have Chris Bryant, who's always hurt. So if there was a way to just make sure everybody stayed healthy and everybody developed well, like there, there was plenty of talent on the team that they just like let fester. And that was probably the most disappointing thing of the, for me of all. Uh, kind of like Jose Quintana, who was traded for Bill and Cease, right? He came to the Cubs, and then yeah. suddenly he, like, s- stopped being good. And now he's a Cardinal, and he, suddenly he's good again. And you're just like, wait, he was always had the talent, but what did what did the Cubs do wrong? Yeah, I was I baffled think, by that one. I, I, yeah. I, th- I thought the Quintana trade was, like, at least at least by my feeling at the time, the, probably the best deal the Cubs had done in, like, the past 20 years. Like, I was so thrilled when they made that deal. <laughs> it just didn't work out. Yeah, yeah I definitely – I mean, it, it, I think the thing with a lot of the trades, like, you know, last year getting rid of the, the core guys, you know, however they worked out, it was just kind of like this whimper of this window. But with the Quintana trade, at least the spirit of it was, we're trying to win it all now, you know? Like, there was a clear – reasoning behind it that you could embrace as a fan like they're trying to like you know stick their boot on the necks of the competition and and win it didn't work out but at least you know that was the idea the the trades up until i'd say the oh i was happy with the return with some of the core guys of those trades but there was just this like all right we're rolling over not just for last season but this one and that's just tough to stomach. Well, they also made them like about a year too late. I, I think they, they had planned to, I mean, this is just my own complete wild ass guess. I, I think my plan, their plan was that they were going to do a sell off in 2020. And then the pandemic just scrambled everything and they basically no one wanted to make any deals. <laughs> I think that was their original plan. So I think that just pushed everything back by a year and it just kind of dragged this on forever. I was much more annoyed with them just for not spending even even before then, like when they had the core there and they were still mostly good. I mean, that that was the time to go all in and not like, you know, hope that Ben Zobris would quasi retire so they could sign Craig Kimbrell. I mean, I thought that was a bad look. They they they, they needed to blow it up then or, or just pour all the money in then. And, you know, they just kind of took things in the middle and that's what kind of caused things to peter out, I think. And yeah. also, they couldn't get anybody to learn how not to strike out. Yeah, that was really weird. Yeah, there was like that feeling around the league, like everybody had figured them out. Like they figured out what the entire Cubs organization was doing at the plate. And they were easy to strike out and easy to get them to ground into double plays. And that's definitely what it felt like. Yeah, unfortunately, it seemed to persist into this year, but you can actually sell there like a couple of flashes of Nico Horner and. Nick Madrigal, when he wasn't broken, actually starting to put wood on on the ball, and I think Sayo could do that as well. Like he still, I, I feel like he's got a better idea of the strike zone than most umpires, to be honest. Just looking at some of the calls against him, like we used to see Jorge Soler get those as well, and it was extremely annoying. And I'm just surprised at his restraint and not like yelling at the umpire and whatever language he, he wants to use at the time, right? Just a game. 
What I'm looking at now is actually our record, and except for the Cardinals, who basically destroyed the Cubs the entire season, uh, the Cubs had a winning record against every single NL Central team, including the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, despite having a sell-off, despite everything. And I think that has to do with the pitching infrastructure. So we know that the pitching, they can identify good uh, relief pitchers. They've been able to develop now in-house starters, which they weren't able to before. So we're talking at Justin Steele. Yeah, they haven't done that in like a decade. Yeah, before (laughs) he got hurt. Adrian Sampson, of all people, and uh, Keen Thompson, who will probably be a swingman. And you know that there are depth starters that are are going to be available, but they need a top-of-the-line guy before they can compete next year. So I think uh, we can go in with a positive, just looking at the fact that they had winning records against almost every team in the NL East. So the Cubs essentially should have won the NL East if they were there. They swept the Phillies, who did make the playoffs. They didn't do so hot against the NL West teams, but, you know, who cares about them? But they were actually getting afloat and the fact that they finished in third place which is you know a tallest midget kind of thing but in the nl central but still it's pretty interesting that they were able to come off the trade deadline on a run and they are essentially uh above 500 for the second half so you know that there's some momentum at the next year and i guess we can segue into roster talk like how would you fix this roster what prospects would you bring up and who would you want to sign, possibly including Wilson Contreras? I'm a, I'm a bad person to talk to you about prospects because I basically turned into Dave, Bra- Dave Dombrowski after a couple of years. Uh, just wanted to trade everyone away. It's <laughs> just assumed that every prospect was a failure. So I don't really pay much attention to the minors. But it, it seems like the Cubs, you know, they, they, I guess they did fix the problem that they had, uh, you know, in the post-World Series hangover. Just that they couldn't develop any like role players, right? They couldn't develop bullpen guys, back end starters, kind of the guys that would fill out the roster around their core. It, it seems like they, they've got a bunch of, a bunch of pretty good blue guys now. They just need some, some frontline talent. So I, I don't really know who's out there, but they could definitely use a frontline starting pitcher, especially now that Hendricks looks like he's dust. Yeah. I mean, the, the starting pitching horizon looks a heck of a lot better than I thought it did or even that I thought it would at this point when this season began the the deal for was Nesky who they give up Efros yeah. from him you know it was kind of like a it seemed like a good trade at the time but kind of like a okay you know I guess it's six one half dozen the other you know when they swap that you know that's how I felt but man he's definitely looked like a serviceable back of the rotation, if not Hendricks like surprise, you know, what Hendricks was in 2016, you know, maybe he could be that type of guy, you know, next year. But I, I was looking at, they, they only had three guys who had as many as 20 starts this year in the rotation. Nobody had more than 25 starts. <laughs> so it's like I think they only had like when you look at ERA on baseball reference if you don't uncheck the box that eliminates you know non-qualifiers for ERA the list is like eight pitchers long <laughs> they just they managed to you know deal away their 
their best bullpen guys and wallow through kind of a terrible health yeah. year. I mean, on top of that, there were, rotation. There, were, there were a lot of five-inning starts, too, at least in the games that I watched. Oh, yeah. So that also cut down the innings pitch to record. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, it just kind of, kind of a crazy year from that standpoint, but to actually be feeling good about the rotation, like I agree if they get a front of the rotation starter, it seems like they'd be in pretty decent shape. I mean, they like Alec Mills was kind of like the, all right, he'll be the back end of the rotation when he gets healthy this year. And that never happened. And the rotation, you know, they closed out with 11 starts to end the season with uh, the starting pitcher giving up one or fewer earned runs. And that was the greatest stretch to end the season. And I don't know if it was in the last 20 years or ever, but it is weird to feel good about the the Cubs pitching, especially when they kind of you know, jettisoned everybody who looked good. And Hendricks is, yeah, I mean, Dust is maybe being generous. I think Stroman's going to be fine next year. I think, um, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do with Wade Miley or, or Drew Smiley. You know, both those guys are, are free agents and they're, they're both, you know, getting on in, in terms of age. But there's, I don't really see a top of the line starter in, in terms of free agency. Maybe Zach Eflin. I, that doesn't seem like a super exciting name to me. Uh, most of the guys have, most of the guys that look like top starters, um, have options that, that Ottawa picked up. A lot of them are, are older than I thought too. Like, like Degrom might be available, but he's thirty four. I thought he was a lot younger. Yeah, I'm. I'm only with his body. He's like fifty six. The the whole prospect of an Otani trade, the Angels signed him to an extension, but which basically seems like, I mean, one year. They, I, I guess not an extension, but just avoided arbitration. If they were open to making a trade, the Cubs rotation and lineup could look a hell of a lot better. Yeah, that's for sure. Oh, it looks like Carlos Rodon's probably going to be available too. He's hey, I helped him at the end of the he's year. Only 30 I hope he's okay. Yeah, because you know how San Francisco basically uh, threw him on the injured list for the last game of the year. So you kind of wonder, uh, is he okay? Or is that just one of those procedural moves to make sure somebody else can get on the roster? Because that, that was kind of goofy to yeah, me. Yeah, they're probably just playing roster games. But there, there are guys that are available. You know, if they if they put right. them on, on the DL, so they could. I was going to say, you know, it's, I think it's a classy move if you can put somebody on the DL because you know that they're not going to start anyway, and then and then bring up some longtime minor leaguer or, or something like that. I, I I just think that's a nice thing for for baseball to do for their players, and I think we did that with Kiros this year. I mean, I don't expect to really ever see him on a diamond again, but. Um, you know, he did all right. He, 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 you know, he put the effort in, uh, he competed well enough. And, uh, and I, I think that's a classy move by, by an organization. I don't know how I feel about Notani trade. Certainly would like to have him. And we have a lot of, uh, you know, we have more young depth that the angels might be interested in. Uh, you know, if we could unload Bodie and, and, and Hap at the same time, I, I think I'd be happy with that, uh, as long as, as well as some depth, but, um, I don't know. You guys probably have a better idea what what you'd trade for. The uh, prospect lists are really deep for the Cubs. Like, it, I, I don't think there's as many top 100 guys as you'd like, but there are a lot of guys that you're just 
kind of like I would be angry if they were traded at this point. So I'm just looking at Arizona Phil's uh, list at the Cup Reporter. And, you know, there are a lot of guys who are Rule 5 eligible, like the list, probably like 50 or 60 names. And a lot of them you definitely don't want to lose. But I think a lot of teams are in the same boat where they couldn't do anything over the pandemic season. They couldn't do anything last season because there was no Rule 5 draft. They couldn't do anything during the lockouts. So now everybody's 40-man roster is going to be bursting at the seams. So there might be a situation where they won't have enough spots to claim everybody. And so the losses might be minimized that way. But uh, I do think that one way to clear out the deck is through trade. And so you obviously want to, if you can, try to avoid the top tier. But I don't think if they're going to trade for Otani, they can avoid like throwing like a Pete Crow Armstrong or a Brennan Davis at them even before we've had a chance to see them at the big stage. Like that's just a risk they have to take. Well, uh, you know, there was there was some rumors about who was going to be traded during the season and 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 Hap was of course all over that list and so was Contreras and um you know I, I think Hap's a nice guy but I don't I don't really feel like um he's, he's not somebody you build around <laughs> exactly exactly I, I I'd really be interested in uh exploring a trade with the Marlins for Pablo Lopez and see if Hap could be part of that and then maybe some sort of mid-tier person in there. So Lopez has got one year left and so does Hap. And, you know, if, if the Cubs are going to be a surprising team next year, they still need some pitching to be surprising. And so that, that might actually work. I do like that idea, sir. And I think one thing that we can segue into is whether or not we need the Cubs need to bring in a top line catcher or a catcher who can hit versus a catcher who basically handles a pitching staff really well. So now we can get to the Wilson Contreras question. He's obviously going to get the qualifying offer. He most likely will reject it and become a Cardinal and make all of us sad again. But there is a chance that he accepts. And for one year, we have veteran presence. We have a bat that we can basically depend on who is better than Jan Gomes and probably more consistent than P.J. Higgins. So I don't mind keeping Wilson around, but also there is the uh, philosophy that the catcher isn't primarily a hitter. He's just primarily a game manager. And there's a lot of talk that Wilson probably isn't that kind of catcher. And that's why uh, he unfortunately was not traded. Well, I say unfortunately, but fortunately for me, because I'm a Wilson Contreras fan, I, I enjoyed him staying on the coast, but Obviously, there was something that was keeping them from pulling the trigger. Anyway, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be sad if they brought Wilson back. I mean, uh, of all of the guys from the old core, like I, I had always, I was actually really surprised when they traded Rizzo. Like I, I assumed that they would let the rest of the guys go and then keep Rizzo around because he's such a glue guy and does you know all the charity stuff and it seems like he added all the extra stuff. I, did, I don't think that he would uh, age quite as. Uh, Quite as badly as the other guys. Like, like, like Javi. Javi was my favorite to watch, but I, not, he's not a guy that I, I would have invested long term in. 
but uh, I mean, Wilson's fine. But then again, I've I've always been a, a skeptic of of these these catching metrics just from a curmudgeon perspective. So uh, put, add that grain of salt to my opinion about keeping Wilson around. I don't, I don't really care that much about the the catching. And it's like th- there's always two sides of the scale you balance. You want the team to be good, and you want it to be players that you'd like. And just seeing all the players I like go. <laughs> it just kind of takes the heart and soul out of being a fan of a team other than just the actual logo that's on the, the jersey. So having all these guys who come to really like as as people and players, you know, Wilson's one of those guys that just I've really loved watching and loved being a fan of his. And so just seeing one last guy I was really, I guess, emotionally invested in just kind of peter out is kind of frustrating. And he's, I I would put him in the same boat as, you know, how I felt about, about Javi. I just, I hate to see him go. And, you know, it it is one of those things (laughs) when it comes to, to Javi, I'll just say this really quick. I think he's completely an emotional player. And when he's playing in Detroit and they suck, I just don't think he has the emotional investment to like be as good as he can be. So I wasn't surprised to see yeah, well, that. That might have been true if he stayed. Although it was fun to see. too, though. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, it, it totally could have been. Uh, and I think it would have probably been maybe the worst thing for him was to to be here while the the whole team sucks. But um, it was fun to see him beat up on the White Sox a little bit. Uh, <laughs> um, but. Wilson, you know, I want to see him stay. It's just I don't think it's going to happen. So I don't know who they can. It'll. I mean, there's still a material chance that he just takes the qualifying offer too. <laughs> yeah, I think his recent comments of being like I earned free agency is I I, I think uh, I, I just I think he's like if, going if, to play it out. If if, if other other teams don't really offer him anything big, you know, I guess there is a deadline when he yeah. has to take it though. Yeah. I think if he ends up taking it, I, I would, if I were him, yeah, fire him. I mean, I, I, and obviously all the signs are pointing to the Mets, too, for all sorts of reasons. Yeah, because karma. Uh, it's interesting that you guys uh, talk a little bit about catchers because uh, some names that I've gotten who are pretty good play callers, I think Tucker Barnhart is going to be a free agent. And then yeah, there's Omar Nevaez. Tucker Barnard, too. I expect them to pick up the yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and Omar Nevaez, who I think was a brewer this year and now is a free agent. He's also left-handed, and I, I guess they figure he's a fairly good play caller as well. Uh, there are a bunch of other guys, too, but those are the two names that I think they'll probably target because of their handedness and the fact that they still have young guns for next year. Uh, you had mentioned Anthony Rizzo before. There is a chance that he could try to go back into free agency because he basically has a player option for next year. But if that's the case, maybe it makes sense for them, since they're having a Cups convention this coming January, to just do that as a surprise uh, signing because, like, obviously everybody still loves Anthony Rizzo. Uh, I'm not entirely sure he feels the same about the Cubs, given you know, how the uh, tenure ended, but that that's something that's on my mind as well. Just uh, not necessarily bringing the band back together because, you know, that ship has sailed, but at least 
some kind of veteran presence who already knows how to play in Chicago and who has something left to give is what I think I'm looking for. Really, the main thing I'm looking for is for the Cubs to just spend some freaking money. <laughs> but I'll probably be dis- disappointed on that for a while. I mean, it's, you know, one of the hugest, hugest market teams in the country. It's got a national fan base. And, you know, they're like, what, middle of the road and spending. They're finally developing these kind of peripheral roster guys that you need to offset, you know, some stars. So spend some money, get some stars, Cubs. I was just going to comment on Rizzo, you know. I think he'd be a fool to leave Yankee Stadium. I think his swing is made for Yankee Stadium, and we saw that this year. He's back up to 37 home runs. Um, I think I don't need to see him ground into double plays anymore, and uh, and first basemen don't always age that well. So um, as much as I hate to see him go on the personal side, I just feel like, you know, his his production is probably – you know, I, I think it may have peaked this year again. And although he may he may benefit from the rule change with the with without the shift because you know he never did quite figure out the shift either. Yeah, Yankee Stadium and no shift is like Anthony Rizzo heaven. You guys make a very excellent point, and uh, I rescind <laughs> my my idea. More than just a game. I am looking at the shortstops because one of the main things is to see whether the Cubs can grab one of the big-name shortstops, and that includes Xander Bogertz, uh, Carlos Correa, both of which are available if they are, as expected, will opt out, out of their contract. Wait, Xander Bogertz is good again? Uh, Carlos you Correa. You a little attention. I pay, I pay to the American League. I remember, I remember him being a bust. Everyone said he was a bust a couple of years ago. <laughs> Uh, it was pretty good. Uh, Correa. But no, looking at his war yeah. numbers, I don't know where I got that impression. <laughs> yeah, I think is from just Boston sucking a little bit. <laughs> kind of makes it seem like how could they have any good players? Oh, it looks like he had a bad year in like uh, uh, 2017, and I just never changed my opinion since then. Yeah, I think the big name that people really want is Trey Turner, but he will most likely have the QRO attached to him. The one who will most likely opt out of his contract is Carlos Correa, and he's still younger than the other two. And I don't think he had a terrible year, but he it wasn't like $35 million a year worthy of a year. But that, that those are the big names because then you can ship Nico to second base. Uh, where he was shifted most of the time anyway against uh, left-handers. Like, obviously, he won't be able to play in the outfield anyway. He'll have to stay in the dirt. But, uh, yeah, yeah, there, there's, like, a lot of different things they could do. Uh, potentially, if one of the uh, prospects breaks out, they could also move Morrell out of the outfield and back into the infield as a super utility guy. Uh, there, There's a lot of guys on the 40-man roster right now that I would just – probably get rid of it uh, so that we could protect some prospects as well as sign new pieces. I learned my lesson in, I guess it was 2015 when it just seemed like the Cubs had way too many middle infielders. <laughs> I was like, this, this will never work. And then, you know, they played in 2015 and 2016. It was like, Oh no, 
It's great that they didn't trade out. We, we, we <laughs> like, were burned the best by team I've ever seen. We were burned by too many years of the uh, Jim Hendry all second baseman off offense. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was bad. I don't know if you have a forty man roster in front of you right now, but I'm um, looking at a lot of guys who are either in the minors or on the IL. At some point, they have to take them off the sixty man uh, disabled list or injured list now. And they are, they're going to have to figure out who to either waive or DFA or trade or whatever. I'm not entirely sure they will give Wade Miley a contract because of his injury history, but he's probably an interesting guy to just bring in spring training if he's willing. Uh, Manny Ro- Rodriguez has been uh, kind of a mystery, like, he still throws pretty fast, but he's not as fast as he used to be. I thought he used to hit 99 or 100, and I think he's a couple of clicks off. So I feel like he's probably going to be a roster casualty. And then there's just a couple of basically fill-in-the-blank starters that you don't really care if you lose them. But there, there are obviously guys that are going to be kept so on the, these lists, uh, including free agency and whatnot, I feel like we can lose probably 15 names and it, it will be fine. I'll throw out a couple of names that, that have, that have actually seen some major league playing time that I, I think could go away. And, and I think Alec Mills, I think we've probably seen the end of him. I think David Bodie, it's, it's hard for me to, to see that he's any better than half the other guys they had. Uh, I'm not sure the Zach McKinstry uh, experiment worked. You know, it was worth a shot for not much of a trade, but, uh, and he did have a few pretty good games, but I don't, I'm not sure that that looks like a, you know, a, a, an important roster spot to. Yeah, I think you're right. According to Arizona Phil, McKinstry should still have uh, a couple of option years. Uh, actually, one option. He barely has any like major league time, so I feel like they could probably DFA him and keep him in the system as depth. So that's that's probably a good call on your part, Bodie. I don't recall how much is left on his contract, but he didn't cost that much anyway, so that would just be a sunk cost. Yeah, he's got eleven million left over the next three years. Like besides a long term. Blow big deal. So he's 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 fine as a super utility guy. I don't know. But I barely watched. But he was he was injured in the periods where I watched uh watch the Cubs this year. So maybe it's more grim than I think. Yeah. I always like Booty though. I don't know why. Maybe like for like one grand slam in uh Washington a couple of years ago. Yeah, well, that was a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it, he he's actually turned out to be pretty decent like his final numbers this year didn't wind up as bad as they started i'm not an alfonso rivas fan i'm just not a big optimist when it comes to rivas like i'd be fine if he didn't stay on the roster team yeah, i mean i see other guys too, like rafael ortega or uh i could get rid of patrick wisdom too i, I, I was done with him when the cubs signed him I think Patrick could probably make more money in Japan cool. at this point. He's he's too good looking. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He should go to Japan. I think it'd be better for him. You are correct. He is a pretty good looking man. What's up with uh, with Alzelay? Was he injured all year? I just remember he was injured at the start of the season, and then I hadn't heard anything. 
Yeah, he he's pitched the last uh I guess the the last few weeks of the the season in relief. Uh, he came in today whenever it was that Samson was at it. Yeah. Um so Alzale came in kind of in a high leverage spot and managed to wriggle out of it. So it you know, yeah, he he's another guy it's like man it seems like the ceiling is high but the floor on his health is really really low well he got the win today him and uh miguel amaya those those are two guys we've been hearing about forever and uh i mean amaya got what about 10 or 12 at bats maybe last year or the year before um at at catcher but um these guys at some point they have to be healthy yeah it'll be interesting to see what they get out of him next year though it's gonna be a gonna be a crunch and Adam, I don't disagree with what you said about Alfonso Rivas. You know, he, he seemed like he was going to be pretty good. I, I think he was better at defense than Patrick Wisdom over at first and certainly better than Schwindel was. But I don't really see who our first baseman is next year at this point. Maybe we managed to re-sign Wilson Contreras, which would make me happy too because I like the the um, the emotion that he plays with. And, and then maybe he plays first and – and and catches and, and DHs a little bit or or maybe they pick up somebody like Trey Mancini as a as a free agent. But then there's also this guy um who's been tearing it up at triple A, Matt Mervis. It's Matt Mervis. Yes, yeah, Mervis. And I saw Mervis play down here in uh in Myrtle Beach because I, I live not far from from the Myrtle Beach Pelicans and he was good here. He had power even in uh, at least some power even here. And, and Myrtle Beach is a terrible place to hit home runs. I, I'm the worst person to talk about prospects, but it also seems like he could be the – I think they're going to hold on to him, and I wouldn't be shocked if he wound up on the major league team. But at the same time, <laughs> the the cynic in me says – Man, it's a good time to deal with that kid. <laughs> like he just had a really, really, really amazing minor league season. And if you were gonna see somebody overpay for a prospect, you know, I don't think there'd be a better time than after the the year he put in. But at the same time, I'd love, love to see him do well in the Cubs oh, organization. But yeah, I'm going to say that I don't think he's going to get added or traded too imminently. One, he's not Rule 5 eligible per Arizona Phil. And two, he's not even on the 40 man. So there's no reason to do it right now, especially when they are facing this roster crunch in advance of the Rule 5 draft. My feeling is that they're going to probably trade away some depth before the Rule 5 deadline, protection deadline. And then they'll decide from there. But they're there's no imminent need to protect them on the roster and there's no imminent need to put them on the roster regardless. Uh, there's a, probably a bunch of other guys that they need to do that for. Uh, unfortunately, there, there are a few guys like Velasquez and Narciso Crook. And like you, you guys were mentioning Rivas who got their shots and didn't do much with them. So I feel like there's a chance that if they were, left off the roster, they just stay in the organization anyway, and then the Cubs can tinker around with their revamped coaching system and try to figure it out, or if not, then they're not on the roster anymore anyway, so whatever. 
I think that makes sense. And, you know, and I think we mentioned earlier, somebody like Rafael Ortega, you know, we, we've seen what he could do. He was a surprise last year. He was adequate this year. There's not a need to protect somebody like that when you can protect a prospect. Yeah. Isn't like Ortega AARP eligible at this point? He's <laughs> over 30. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. But he he's on the old side and he's uh, basically redundant. So I don't think they need to keep him around. 31. Wow. That is something about him just makes me feel like he, looks, he just looks so old. But yeah, I think for me, it just raises the question of, like, are the Cubs going to try and compete for a playoff spot or are they going to try and make their team actually somebody who you wouldn't want to play in the playoffs? I'm going to suggest that they are actually going to go for it. One, they are going to have the Cubs convention again for the first time since the pandemic. Secondly, there's so much money off the books that they can afford to blow a little bit of it. And third, there's you have one more year of HAP. If you don't trade him and you do need a little bit of veteran presence between Hap and Kyle Hendricks whenever he gets back from injury and the last guaranteed year of Marcus Stroman, I think you have a pretty good good uh, starting point with, from which to build. So they should build, and the, I'm pretty sure they will build, or else there's going to be a lot of flying tomatoes at the convention in January. What, what was the, the Kyle Hendricks injury? I mean, did he just have David Patton disease or is he actually injured? No, he's actually injured. I think it's his shoulder. I remember thinking, I remember thinking it wasn't clear around the time that he went on the IL. So if they, we'll know pretty soon, right? Because they'll, they'll be in the rumors right away for folks like Correa or, um, or, or one of the top shortstops. Uh, and maybe they'll be working on some trades if they if they go the route of well we're going to sign Jonathan Villar and Scope and Andleton Simmons and, and that crowd again then they're clearly going to wait yet another year and hope some of these kids do better but um, I just can't imagine that that that's going to you know that the fan base is is really going to help them out on that and and you know they weren't selling out a lot of games this year. I do agree with you. I think they can't really afford another attendance hit. I think there's enough money uh, if they, you know, make the proper in-team contributions and stay away from certain political contributions, they should be okay. Uh, I also think that they don't want to jeopardize yes, yes, the, the, the are much better Yeah, Yeah, the goodwill that they have with uh, veterans who just signed on, like Marcus Stroman or Drew Smiley, they love being Cubs for whatever reason. I, I don't know. Like, the team sucks and the owners are cheap, but you guys love it here. Even, you know, you like the fans, you like the atmosphere, you like the history. Great. Like, the Cubs basically sell themselves, so there should be no reason why they can't sell the success from the second half to bring in the pieces that they need. If it's Carlos Correa or they drop a pick and sign Trey Turner and maybe we get like more stolen bases and not so many two plans, hopefully, like I, I would be very thrilled with that. But, uh, you know, we pretty much won't know anything until five days after the World Series per the law. But, uh, yeah, there's always leaks and rumors, like Skip said. So I'm going to keep my eyes and ears peeled for that. What do you think about Dansby Swanson? Is he a fallback or is he just having a career year and he's going to go back to his um, 
sort of mediocre normal play because I, I could see the Cubs going, oh, well, we don't have to spend quite as much on Correa because we could get Swanson, but it, it just – That depends. Did, did the Atlanta extend him yet? Because I feel like they, they've been giving pretty good extensions to everybody that they need to. And I feel like even though Swanson's about to become a free agent, they're probably just going to extend him or, or sign him to, to like a hometown contract uh, without too much of a discount. But, you know, the, the Braves obviously have money, so they, they should be able to get him and keep that core going. Yeah, last I saw they were working on one, but that was like a month ago. So I guess that hasn't happened. And we won't know because uh, of a little shot in Freud. They uh, they did beat out the Mets for the division, so there's a chance that the Mets <laughs> could flame out in the wild card round. I, I actually think that's why the Phillies decided to just kind of kind of pack it in once they uh, they clinched that final playoff spot because they knew that they were going to play the cards and not the Mets if they did that. And now the Padres have to deal with the Mets and the Padres, you know, they've been scuffling a little bit too. Uh, this is actually a pretty good segue for us to go into the postseason for this year. This is the first year of the extra wild card and the three game wild card round where apparently all three games are hosted by the higher seed. And it sounds like if that's the case, then the higher seed gets the last at bat in all three games. So first of all, what do you guys think of that? And then we can go into who our picks are. Oh, I didn't catch that rule change. That's cool. I really like the drama of the one game wild card, but kind of feel like it's gimmicky. And so, um, so I, I, I'm interested to see how these, these three game series go. I do actually really like that the higher seed gets home field the entire time. Um, not so much for the, the four and five seeds, but because I, I do think the division winner ought to still have an advantage of some sort. So I guess I'm kind of ambivalent at the moment. Yeah. I think, uh, at, at the lockouts, they were trying to cram in eat even one more wild card so that each team would get seven teams instead of six. The, the, the buy system seems to help the top-seeded teams set their rotations a little better. It probably tires out the other teams a little bit more such that they are less you know, capable of pulling off the upset. And even though baseball is sort of like a coin flip most of the time, uh, I think that that will play a bit of a role in helping the higher seeds advance more. So I pretty much am anticipating basically either Yankees or Houston versus the Dodgers, because I don't think anybody at this point can destroy the Dodgers. Like they're basically what we hope the Cubs would become. I I do wonder if the Blue Jays can make a good run. I, I think they actually took away the vaccine requirement in Canada as of September 30th. So it doesn't matter who got the poke or not going into Canada from Seattle anymore. Anyway, yeah, I I don't think anybody's going to beat the Dodgers, but I have been wrong very often before. And so I'm happy for a little bit of chaos. Well, I'm looking at the playoff matchups here because I, I hadn't actually paid a lot of attention to the seeding yet. 
you know, for the, for those who have to play this first three game series, um, you know, the, the guardians have been on a pretty good roll. Maybe they could move along further than we expect, but I have to, I, I, I think you're probably right, Ken. I, 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 you know, I, I think by using all your pitchers instead of just one pitcher, it really does give those teams with the buy a, uh, an advantage. Yeah. I just pick the Dodgers because they're the Dodgers. Or really, I guess, I guess my prediction would be a Dodgers Yankees World Series. And now that, uh, now that Ben Scully's not with the Dodgers anymore, I can root for a meteor. <laughs> I think that's probably fair. The minor leaguers uh, finally are going to get some labor representation through MLBPA, which is really awesome. Like basically MLB saw the level of solidarity that the players had during the lockout during the spring training that basically wiped out spring training. They saw how interested and how much Twitter and the media were harping on the poor conditions that minor leaguers playing under. And now, uh, for the first time, uh, minor leaguers are going to have a seat at the table. And I think next year, they're going to be much better taken care of. Uh, what do you guys think of that? Like, uh, that it's taken so long before people were like, well, maybe these guys are professionals and maybe they deserve a living wage. That was exciting news. I, I didn't think it would ever happen just because, I mean, the, the baseball players union is, you know, e- e- even despite uh, how things have kind of gone, maybe over the last decade or two, it's still probably the strongest union in the U.S. And it seemed like there was no, at, at least, a short-term benefit to them bringing the minor leaguers into into the fold. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they would, their leadership would kind of, you know, t- take a long-term enough view to actually actually do the right thing here. You know, in, in some sense, the the union. Uh, at least as it evolved, you know, kind of became something that was much more uh, beneficial to, you know, kind of kind of established players and, and kind of kind of kept that way. I mean, I mean, the original origins of it, like the '60s or whatever, you know, it was a different story. But you know, what, I remember re- reading about kind of the history of the union at some point. Like Charlie Finley, who on the A's was like, "Oh, we could break this union easily by just making everybody free agents." So the, the union was smart enough to. To, you know, kind of, kind of dial things in enough a way that that made it uh, made it nice for more of the established players. So I, I'm, I'm thrilled by this. I, I can't wait to see what happens, and I, I think it's great. So I I, I think um, I think the living wage is a great idea. I, I think that's true for everybody, and, and and I think it's interesting that there's seems to be this uh, rebirth of some of the union movement, not just in baseball, but you know, I mean, if Starbucks is is unionizing and Amazon is unionizing, then then, you know, I, I think maybe that's something that came out of COVID is that people had a chance to sit back and say, hey, wait, we don't need to be treated as poorly as we are. And I think minor leaguers already knew that. And then I don't know if they forgot why, when they became pros or, or, or you know, uh, I mean, when they became major leaguers. But um, it's to me, it's a super smart move on, on the, in, in terms of for the major leaguers because you have to have, young players to move up into your team, you also need to 
treat people who are going to be your future union members the right way too, it seems like to me. So uh, I don't understand why they didn't do this years ago. Maybe the way major leagues have taken over the minors, it made it easier or something. I, I really don't know enough about the ins and outs of it that way, but um, I think it's, uh, I think it's long overdue. I'll tell you what, if it, if it helps minor leaguers also um, be a little more aware in low A baseball, then um, I'm all for that too, because um, I see some really crazy, you know, mental mistakes and things. And, and I got to believe that at least sometimes that's because there are other things going on where they're, where they have, where, where players aren't really supported very well. And in terms of living and diet and, uh, and, and wages. And so maybe this, this improves the game all, all the way around. Yeah. I think some of it might've come out of, from the lockout too, like to, to actually see so much pro union sentiment during the lockout was also kind of nice too. I mean, in the past, it was all whenever, whenever there'd be any of these disputes, you know, the public was always on the side of the of the owners, saying like, "Oh, these greedy players are out here trying to, you know, charge us more money to to play a kids game." And you know, like there was that awful tweet about how like uh, when Max Scherzer was showing up in a Ferrari or something to the to negotiations and. You know, someone's reply about like, yo, you know, show the picture of the private jet that all the owners showed up in, you know, blew up on, on social media. So so I, I think there's been a sea change, too, there amongst the fans. Uh, they're a little more sympathetic to the players. Yeah, well, I'm not sure I'm that optimistic, Jeff, um, because, you know, of uh, you know where I live, I don't see that kind of uh, overall. Yeah. Say, say it's, it's, it's shifted somewhat. I don't, I don't think it, it's gone. Uh... <laughs> It's got it's got too far, but but it's, def- it's, de- it's definitely more than, than what I remember from the nineties for sure. It, it's just amazing how much peace of mind really changes your 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 performance level, and I think this this will be a very good thing. In addition to the fact that they're giving more in this current CBA to rookie players who start the year with the team, they're giving them more pay. They're reducing the number of times that they have to shuttle back and forth to, to Iowa. I think all that is going to make it a lot easier for them to be the best baseball player that they can be. Major League Baseball got away with just, just sort of doing uh, minor league player development on the cheap for a long time, right? Because they, you know, they had these, these agreements with the minor league team owners. But they didn't have to pay their players that much. They they got to use this excuse of, well, spring training is actually training, and so the the players are getting more out of it than we are. Which you know that that just didn't make any logical sense right from the start. But then also a lot of the players were, you know, living with um, with families and and you know volunteers uh, in minor league cities who were happy to do that because you know they wanted to help some kids out and like baseball and things like that. But you know, it, they were a lot of the cost of minor league development was was actually sort of um, uh, I don't know what's the word externalized or whatever by the by Major League Baseball. I think that uh, the the new if you really want to compete and win, then um, you know part of your part of your player development you need to actually think about um, investing in that. And as some of the teams have done that then other teams I think are, are starting to see where the benefits are there. And, um, and at the same time, 
you know, the players have said, okay, enough is enough. This just, you know, this isn't going to happen anymore. And as you raise that flag forever, you can let so I want to thank the guys from Obstructive View for hanging out with me. I think we're going to be tangentially affiliated uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at WSTreaming underscore Cubs. I, myself, am at Cubic Starconia, and these gentlemen who are hanging out with me uh, will have their stuff in the show notes. Uh, we no longer have a website, but you can, of course, find Obstructive View. Uh, hopefully, we'll be posting a little more regularly at obstructiveview.net. I want to thank Rich Deanna for our theme song and Randall Sanders for the clip of Pat Hughes. Uh, that's going to be soon to be Ford Frick winner, Pat Hughes, we hope, uh, calling the final out of the 2016 World Series. I was listening to the game today and some, some would refer to Pat Hughes as a Hall of Famer and it made me wonder if anything had been announced or if it was just an in joke. No, he is a Cubs Hall of Famer for sure because they did announce that during the game they had him. They slipped in a piece of paper, right? And he read it, and he was, like, super surprised. And it, it was obviously well-deserved because Pat Hughes is awesome. But uh, this year, he, along with nine other finalists, are going to be uh, voted on in December for the Ford Frick Award. And there's a good chance that he makes it. But I, if he doesn't, I think it's going to be Dwayne Kuyper. So, you know, I, I think it's it's probably Pat's year because he's been a Frick uh, finalist for a very long time. Yeah, they're, they're, they're probably going to do it, but you never know, right? Pretty stiff competition, but uh, I love listening to Pat Hughes. And, uh, in fact, I often just listen to the radio and watch TV on mute. So having JD there made it a lot harder. So he's barely feel like he's barely been around this season. Anyway, sorry to pitch, sidetrack off of your credits. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. Like, you know, the three people who listen to this for now <laughs> might, might not care. But anyway, yeah, please rate and share us on Apple Podcasts. You can find us at WorldSeriesDreaming at gmail.com if you have a question. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, we'll see you next time or whenever we have time to do this. Thanks. Thanks for having me. More than just a game.